Well, thanks for coming up here. So, okay. So, what is this? What is this? A plant, yes. Yes. I don't know exactly which plant it is, but it is a plant. Um, yeah, it's got nice... Yeah, it's a plant. It's got nice green leaves. Now, how do you... What does a plant need to live? What should we give it? What should we give it? Water. Yeah, it needs water. So, to give it water... Levi, are you going to help me? If you give it just a little bit. We don't need all of it, but put it right in there. Just a little bit of water in there. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. We'll save this for later. All right, yeah. Um, the water goes down into... What's this stuff called? What's that? What's that? Yeah, dirt. What's in the dirt? Soil, yeah, nutrients and things like that. But where does the water, what goes, what's under the, the leaves? Roots, yeah, roots. So these leaves are fed and pushed out and become green and alive by the water getting down to the roots and then the, bringing the water up and feeding the, the leaves or the branches. And so today in God's Word, we hear that we... We are the branches, we're the leaves, and we are fed by Jesus. And Jesus feeds us through, what is this? This is the, Andy, do you know what this is? The Bible, yeah, we're fed through the Bible, through God's word. We hear about all that Jesus did for us and God's love for us. We're fed through the sacraments, so we have baptism. Claire Jean was baptized this morning, so made a child of God. Her sins were washed away. And then in the Lord's Supper, where with bread and wine we receive Christ's body and blood for our forgiveness. And so we're fed and strengthened. And so, by God's grace, we always want to stay connected to Jesus. And Jesus feeds us. Just like we water the plant with water every day or very often so that it, it grows. So also God grows us, grows us through his word. All right, let's fold our hands and we'll pray. Dear Jesus... Thank you for your love for us, for your forgiveness for us, for dying on the cross to pay for all of our sins. And thank you for feeding us with your forgiveness and love through your word and sacraments and so that we grow and grow and grow in you. And we pray and ask you to always keep us close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. God's word to us from Romans chapter 11, verses 11 through 21. Again I ask, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. But if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their full inclusion bring? I am talking to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles. I take pride in my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. For if their rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. If some of the branches have been broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root. The root supports you. 
You will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. This is God's word. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. It doesn't feel good to be taken for granted. It doesn't feel good to be taken for granted. And it doesn't feel good when we realize that maybe we've taken a person or people in our lives for granted. Maybe it was through some negligence or some prideful arrogance or even an attack that we took someone for granted and the relationship has been hurt or even broken and ended. Whether that be a a friend, a relationship with a sibling, a significant other, a spouse, a child, a parent, a grandparent. It doesn't feel good. And sometimes the relationship can be mended, sometimes it, it simply ended. But what do we do? What do we do? We go to God. We go to God. What does God's word tell us today about it says it says, Don't take grace for granted. Don't take grace for granted. God still wants all to be saved. God still wants all to be saved. And all of us are grafted into Christ by grace. All of us are grafted into Christ by grace. We bring it to God. You know, when we have the hurt of a relationship that's broken or ended or somebody's walked away and we give it to God, because God knows what it's like. God's been there. The Apostle Paul knew what it was like, not only for God, but also for himself, his fellow countrymen, the Jews, who had all the promises of the Old Testament, all, everything leading up to the wonderful message that a Messiah would come to rescue a world lost in sin. They had it. They had the promises of Abraham. They had the prophets sent to them. They had the, the Old Testament books of the Bible pointing them ahead to the Messiah to come. And then when the Messiah came, they rejected him. And, and they walked away. The relationship was broken. And if they died that way, they would end up in hell. And it, unbelief leads to that, that if we die in unbelief, we end up in hell separated from God, his love is for, and his forgiveness, and end up in eternal suffering and how awful that is. But as long as they had breath in their lungs, as long as they were alive, you know, the, Paul... Paul was set on going after them, praying for them. And God was set on going after them. God still wants all to be saved. Listen to the Apostle Paul. Again I ask, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. But if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their full inclusion bring? Paul said earlier in his letter to the Romans, we're at verse or chapter 11. In chapter 8, he said, And we know that in all things, maybe you could finish it with me, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. 
God is rich in grace and mercy, never letting go of us, never wanting to let go of us. Um, and even though some have, have gone away, God is not only rich to, in mercy to those who follow him, but he, it extends even beyond that. And you see it in Paul's words today, that God can use what some might intend for evil and awfulness and even turn that for good. So you, um, Jesus wept over Jerusalem at their rejection of him and the salvation that God had brought and that the Messiah was there, but they were rejecting him. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how I have longed to gather you together, but you were not willing. And they weren't. You heard the Pastor Smith read the gospel lesson. That was pretty pointed law, wasn't it? And the people it was intended for knew it was intended for them. Because what were they doing? They were throwing out the prophets and they were now targeting the heir, the son, and they were going to throw him out and kill him. It's Jesus. And what did they do? They went and waited for a time where they could get him. They, they bribed one of the disciples to betray him. They, they took possession of him. They put him on what you might call a trial, not really though, and then brought him before Pilate. And Pilate says he's innocent, but somehow he ends up on a cross. He suffers, dies, is laid in a tomb. Three days later, he rises physically from the grave with power and authority. He appears to many. Um, the, the, the chief priest teaches a law. They have to bribe soldiers and whoever else to get them to, to lie about this. And even though Jesus had appeared to many over 40 days, then ascended, what did they do after that? They would not turn, and then they persecuted the followers of Jesus, who were proclaiming this wonderful news of a Savior from sin. And the, the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem had to scatter. How could God work good from this? Well, let's start with the cross. What did God do with the cross? Mankind's shaking their fist at God, putting the Son of God on the cross. God used that to bring salvation and win salvation for all mankind, didn't he? All the unbelief, all the sin, all the guilt and shame that you have to our accounts, my guilt, my shame, needed to be punished. God hates sin and the sinner, and so in that respect, according to his justice, he had to be just, and we want God to be just. He doesn't sweep things under the rug. He deals with it. And so he had to deal with it. And he punished it on the cross, except you and I weren't on the cross. Jesus suffered for your sin and mine, for your guilt and shame and everything you had coming, the, the hell we know we deserve. Jesus suffered for it and paid for it in full. He said, it is finished. So God could be just in punishing sin and the sinner, and yet the one who justifies, declares not guilty, you and me. Jesus' perfect life is credited to us as righteousness. Our sins are washed away. Paul said in Galatians, as many of you as were baptized into Christ, like Claire Jean, have clothed yourselves with Christ. That's what God did with the cross, brought salvation to all of us and forgiveness. And then, what did he do with this persecution that broke out against the followers of Jesus? Well, they ran. They ran on the, on the Roman roads and the Roman ships and across basically the known world. But what did they take with them? Their faith. The gospel. That God did send a Savior. And he's here and he came and he suffered and he died and he rose again. And that means forgiveness, eternal life, and freedom for you. And they took that wherever they went. 
And Paul, as, as he was sent out, once a persecutor of the faith who knew God's grace very well firsthand, and then was commissioned to go to the Gentiles, and these congregations are going up all over the known world of believers who recognize what Jesus had done for them. And Paul rejoices at God's grace and mercy through the cross, to the Gentiles, and also he knows that God still wants all to be saved, and he's going to use this too. Because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. God was even using this, salvation coming to the Gentiles, in another way to reach out to the Jews. A lot of a lot of parents find they have a problem with their eldest child that they give them the most amazing toy, the toy maybe they've been asking for, yearning for, and they play with it, you know, they even sleep with it, they play with it the next day, and they love it, and then all of a sudden, like day three, maybe even before that, the toy gets looked at, tossed into the corner forever. You know, and they, and they think, you just, I spent all that money, all that time, I gave them the most amazing toy. The toy is still amazing. They've just like lost the love for it. How do you reignite that love? Well, all it takes is for little brother or sister to walk past that toy, recognize its amazingness, pick it up, play with it, and then all of a sudden, for the older brother or sister, it's the most amazing toy in the world. Again, no, it's their toy. They want to take it. They fight over it. You get it. But what God in his mercy, what Paul is praying for and God in his grace can do is that some, as they realize the blessings being poured out upon, upon, upon the Gentiles, as they recognize that the peace that the Gentiles have, even in the midst of all the trouble and all the persecution, that they have peace. They have joy in the struggle. They have, they have the fruits of peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control that God is growing in them and, and blessing them with. And the Jews would then realize, we had that, and we gave it away. Jesus is the Messiah. I am talking to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles. I take pride in my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. For if their rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. Who do you hold a seat for? Or better, for whom do you hold or reserve a seat? Some people have the practice of, you know, setting a place at the table, even though there won't be food put on there, but the seat is left open for someone, a family member who is who has gone on a trip or is off at war or through some sad thing has left the family. They leave and hold a place for them with the prayer, with the earnest desire that they would come back and rejoin them. Some people leave a light on. Some people... Um, some people leave a light on. Some people, like the, the, the father of the prodigal, wait and watch. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, who is it that you save a seat for? With the prayers that they'll come back, whether the, to the family or to the family of believers. Give it to God and recognize that God still wants all people to be saved. 
and live in the joy. Obviously, use opportunities to reach out. Use opportunities to mend the fences, but, but live in the joy and the peace of forgiveness that God has given to you. And let that peace and forgiveness shine through you. And they might see it. Say, I used to have that. I want that. And they might come to know this beautiful truth that we know, that God still wants all people to be saved. And so don't take grace for granted. All of us are grafted into Christ by grace. All of us are grafted into Christ by grace. If some of the branches have been broken off, and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourselves to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. This is a pretty harsh warning. It's directed at us. Do we need it? Jesus said it this way. If you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. If you think you're standing firm, be careful you don't fall. I mean, it could be as simple as, as, you know, we're here in worship. We've taken time to be in God's house, and, you know, that makes us maybe a little bit better than those who have not, or those who aren't as faithful, or those who don't give a care about it at all, and so maybe we should, you know, pat ourselves on the back for being so faithful and being at church, or maybe Jesus should come down from the cross suffering for our sins and shake our hands and thank us for our support. Preposterous, Right? But all it takes is just that little bit, and it gets us down that track. Because our sinful nature always wants to claim some, some high road for ourselves or some worth or merit in us that made God pour grace out on us. It's an odd thing. We freely confess we're saved by grace through faith, but yet the sinful nature does not want to accept that and keeps coming after it. I mean, it could be simple as looking at another person in the sanctuary and just having that momentary, you know, that momentary kind of judgmental, you know, oh, there they are. I know what they've done. Or there they are. Look at what they're wearing. Or, or how they're handling their children or not handling their children. Or, um, you know, maybe uh, it's, something, it's something completely has no relation to what we're doing here. But we, we get in our minds this idea that, and the simple nature just, you know, if you, if you follow the trail, you realize it's because we want to think that we are a little bit better and that maybe it's a little bit our merit or our worthiness. I mean, it's like when you read Scripture and you look at all the different people that have lived, um, whether in the Old Testament or the New Testament, but especially as we read through the Old Testament, and you kind of get that idea like, oh, they did that, but I would never do that. Or in the New Testament, you think of Peter, and you think of like, oh, he denied knowing Jesus. You know, I know we're taught that, yes, we're capable of that, yes, sometimes we do that, but I would never do that, Right? Like, deny knowing Jesus? I've confessed it my whole life. But yet, how often don't we give ourselves a pass to just be quiet about our faith and about what we know to be true from God's Word? And not even attempt to, to speak the truth in love because maybe we know the group we're in or we know what would come at us. And we're just thankful there isn't a servant girl there to call us out. Or we think about Judas and what he did. Betrayed Jesus and then despaired as though Jesus couldn't forgive him. And how difficult it is in our hearts when we realize what we've done or the depths of our sin or wretchedness 
And yet we entertain the thought that God couldn't forgive me. And we feel that. And that lingers. And it comes back to us. And we just have that in our heart. We don't share it maybe, but, but how could God forgive me? And we despair. And we live with that despair. It's pretty easy to see that we need this warning and we need this light bulb moment that God in his grace gives us through the pen of the Apostle Paul. God still wants all people to be saved and he wants you to know you have been saved. You've been grafted into Christ by grace. It's not us. But that's what we have. That's the grace and forgiveness that God has won. Jesus said it this way, I am the vine. You are the branches. If a person remains in me and I in them, they will bear much fruit. Apart from me, they can do nothing. And then he gives this warning. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Yeah, and unbelief does not go unpunished. If someone dies in unbelief, they will go to hell. And that's the the sad reality. But, But you are not in unbelief. You have your Savior Jesus. You trust in him. You look to him, you know the forgiveness that he has won for you. And he says, it's yours. It's not something you have to earn. Actually, you can't earn it. Don't try to earn it. It's my gift to you. Everything won on the cross. Your sins paid for in full, communicated to you. All the blessings. Heaven is yours. And you can have certainty, a blessed certainty that many Christians sadly don't have, but that you can have because it's right here. Because Jesus said you have been grafted into Christ, the vine. And what a beautiful thing it is. And being grafted in, you know, Paul says, you know, you do not support the root. The root supports you. So you suck up that beautiful sap that God gives in his word and sacraments. As you're fed and nourished and strengthened regularly, often, with the forgiveness, the peace, the knowledge, the understanding, the wisdom that God pours out on you and blesses you with through that wonderful root, which is Christ. You know, baptism. We got to see a baptism this morning, Claire Jean. And to know that that is ours, that, that, that we're washed clean of our sins, that, that we're called a child of God, and that is what we are, and that we're robed in Christ's righteousness as we receive in the sacrament Christ's body and blood for our forgiveness so that people who doubt all the time know with certainty This forgiveness is mine, and I'm at peace with God. As we grow in the word at home and at church and hear this wonderful message, and guess what? God grows us. Now I think, I think it's spring. Right? I think. I don't know, is it, are we, like March 21st, is that officially spring? Right, but like, Minnesota has its own version. So, but like, You see, soon the sprouts will come out of the trees and those beautiful leaves will grow, giving, you know, showing everyone. And what's bare roads, you know, on the side streets here will be canopies of green and beautifulness. And we know what gives the green leaf or the branches the ability to grow. And it's that root. It's the the nourishment that God gives. And so you grow as you're connected to this wonderful sap, this wonderful gift of God his love, his mercy, and forgiveness, and you grow. And let those branches go out. You are the blessing God gives to your family. You are the blessing God gives to your school. You're the blessing God gives to your workplace. You're the blessing God gives to your congregation. You're the blessing that God has placed in the area he's placed you right now for this time, for just the right moment.
as you let your light shine, as you love God and you serve your neighbor, and you let this fruit just go, and the branches spread out, and you grow, and, and, and you are a blessing to others. And the beautiful thing is, not only are you that blessing to others, not only do you take great comfort and joy in knowing you are grafted to the, to the vine by grace, and therefore it's certain, other people see it. And they want it. And maybe even those people who have walked away from it will turn back and look. And look at you. And you can tell them, Jesus isn't just my Savior. He's your Savior too. Don't take grace for granted. God still wants all to be saved. And all of us are grafted into Christ by grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Normally during this time we would have gathered our thank offerings to the Lord, but we have baskets at the entrances. Many people have been giving online and in other ways, and we're thankful for all the, the gifts that God's people give for his, to him, out of love for him and, and the work of, his, of sharing the gospel. Uh, we're also taking this time for our stewardship thought. As we seek to be good stewards or managers of all the good things that God has given to us, the time he's given to each and every one of us, the talents and abilities, the treasures, the, the truth of his word and how we use it, and also our temples. Today, um, at 12.15, we have a voters meeting for possibly calling a um, preschool uh, teacher for our part-time classroom. The Lord has blessed our preschool, and we're opening up, Lord willing, a third room, and very excited about that. Many people wanting to hear the gospel. We also recognize that not only in our, our area, but also in the church body, there's a great shortage of gospel workers who will go out and proclaim uh, the gospel on our behalf, who have the training and, and, and the, the readiness to go. And so we pray today in our stewardship thought for God's grace upon us that he would equip each of us to be that blessing to our groups that we've been called to serve um, in, in whatever area of life we're in, um, that we'd be a blessing to them. And also we pray for more workers and that God would raise them up from our own number um, and that we'd be able to share the gospel in more and more places. Let us pray. Jesus, you told your disciples and us, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. We, we thank you for the grace you've given to us and for those who proclaim the word of God to us in so many different ways, in house, in, in church, in school, and all the different places we hear about you. Uh, we also ask you to, to raise up from us uh, workers who will serve full-time in, in your ministry, um, to, to share the, the gospel in places that we aren't, in places we haven't gone, uh, but that they might go. And we ask you to bless our Martin Luther College and, and all those who are studying there for ministry. Continue to equip them and equip all of us to share this wonderful message with the world. In Jesus' name we ask it. In your name we ask it. Amen.